Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I will be your host. And with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, everyone. In today's episode, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 11, Booze Cruise. A good one. It is a very good one. And it starts with a very good cold open as well. We see Jim in the break area. He has just gotten some chips, and he is walking out. Dwight comes in as he is walking out, and Dwight goes, wait a minute. What's going on here? And Jim supposedly, allegedly, <laughs> has put Dwight's desk items in the vending machine. So his bobblehead is in there. His pencil cup is in there. His stapler and his nameplate. Uh, also his wallet, which had to be a difficult one, unless he leaves it in like his drawer or something. Right. <laughs> I leave my, my wallet in my drawer when I'm at work. That makes sense. Like, you don't want to sit on right. it all day. Right. And then Pam, who is clearly in on the prank, because Dwight it, Dwight says to Jim, I know you did this because you're friends with the vending machine guy. And Jim responds, wait, who's Steve? That's yeah. sort of uh, like, no, no. And Pam's clearly in on it because she comes in. She's like, oh, pencil cup. I love these. And buys uh, the pencil cup. Also, side note, it appears that this machine only takes coins, which would be terribly annoying if you just wanted a snack and didn't have change. And Dwight eventually is buying back his stuff with a bag of nickels that Jim supplies him with. Right. So Jim was ready. This is just one in a long line of pranks on Dwight that required quite a bit of legwork to accomplish. For sure. I would say. But a solid cold open. As we get into this episode, we see Michael struggling with competition. A love triangle forms. And the office goes on a corporate retreat. So the first shot of the episode is Michael entering the office and people asking him what is going on this afternoon. Because he sent out a very cryptic memo that was explained by Jim and Pam. Last week, Michael sent out this mysterious memo. It's time for our first quarter camaraderie event. So back a swimsuit, a toothbrush, rubber-soled shoes, and a ski mask. A ski mask and a swimsuit. So that he can have us rob a bank and then escape to the sewers. And brush our teeth. So everyone has no idea what is going on. (laughs) Yeah, and it sounds like they do this sort of corporate retreat every year. It's an annual sort of thing. But it doesn't make sense to me that everyone needs to go. But it's a small office, so I guess why not? And Michael is just loving having something over people, having the ability to create suspense. He thinks it's fun, But for everyone else, it's annoying because those items could equal a lot of things. And then it's unclear whether this is an overnight thing. So apparently spouses are welcome, spouses and partners, which is also odd to me. Because why would someone that doesn't want to work at Dunder Mifflin be part of the corporate retreat? They don't need motivating as far as doing sales 
Yes. So finally, Michael breaks the news to Stanley because Stanley's like, no, does my wife need to call in tomorrow or not? Mm -hmm. Uh, And they are going on a booze cruise on Lake, what's the name of the lake? Juana Pompac. Juana Pompac. And Stanley's like, in January, which is a great point because, no, I'm shocked that they would even have a booze cruise in January, but it does seem like the uh, inside area would probably be heated. Yeah. So, Michael's theme for their corporate retreat is leadership. And as he says, leadership is has ship in it as a derivation, which makes no sense grammatically. Yeah. So he starts his presentation in the conference room at the office and joining the regular office employees is a woman from corporate who is there to observe Michael's leadership style or whatever. Brenda something. Yes. (laughs) My theory on Brenda is this. So... Brenda serves no function whatsoever in this episode, Mm -hmm. but she is needed in not the next episode, but the one after that, so that we can try to get a sense that Jim is trying to move on from Pam. Okay. Because he calls her and asks her out, essentially. Okay. So there's a little bit of foresight, and this is just my fan theory, a little bit of foresight by the writers to be like, okay... Jim, as we get to sort of torpedoes uh, his relationship with Katie in this episode, he's really trying to move on from Pam, let it go. We need to create this sort of agonizing thing in order to set up for the season finale. Okay. So, All right. Those are my thoughts on, on Brenda. <laughs> right. And as Michael is explaining this theme... And what's happening for the corporate retreat, he's making analogies to the parts of the boat, saying, okay, he's the manager of the office, so he's the captain of the boat. That one's easy. So what is sales? And Daryl says, well, sales could be the sales of the boat. And (laughs) Michael's not getting that analogy whatsoever. Right. uh, Saying, yeah, Daryl, the salespeople do make sales as sort of a like what you would say to a little kid when they make a very easy connection. But Michael says, actually, he thinks of sales as the furnace. <laughs> and then people kind of question him as like, how old is this? Yeah, oh, uh, really? And however, Daryl made a very good point, but presumably if a boat has a sail, it's, oh, it's either a sailboat or it's a, just a even older Yeah, it's ship. a pirate ship or the right. Mayflower or something. Right. And so Michael uses this chance to be like, no, think about the movie Titanic. And all the people, you know, they're shoveling coal into the furnace. And this is my one of my favorite parts of this episode because Jim and Pam will do this to Michael again in season three. Actually, Jim wasn't there for this. Pam and Ryan sort of play a similar joke uh, in season three about not recognizing popular movies. Uh, So Jim says to Michael, Titanic? Never heard of it. Are you sure you have the title right? Right. Are you sure you know what you're talking about? And Michael just gets frustrated. He's like, Leonardo DiCaprio, come on, Jim. And Pam's like, 
I think you mean Hunt for Red October. <laughs> so you know, Michael's just trying to belabor the point of this analogy and doesn't really hit it. And then in a interview with the camera, Jim says, if Michael doesn't stand at the end of the boat and say, I'm the king of the world within the first 30 minutes of being on the boat, I will give you my next paycheck. Yes. So we get to the booze cruise and Michael is trying to continue this analogy essentially throughout the entire episode. Yes. He's working very, very hard to kind of make this land. And as the office employees are getting onto the boat, we are introduced to Captain Jack, who is played by Rob Riggle. And Captain Jack kind of tries to establish his authority immediately because it is becoming very clear that Michael is going to be a problem. Just Michael just cannot submit to any sort of authority. He always has to prove himself or be like, well, well, I'm a manager, so I outrank you. And it doesn't even make sense. It's just this weird personality characteristic within Michael that he cannot just be. Right. So as the office employees are walking onto the boat, Michael is doing a Gilligan's Island bit. And so he's saying, you know, that Katie and Jim are the professor and Ginger and Angela is Mrs. Howell. And he drops a couple other racially insensitive yeah. uh, assignments to Kelly and Stanley. Calling Stanley a Harlem Globetrotter, which has nothing to do with Gilligan's Island. Yeah. And so he calls Dwight Gilligan and himself the skipper. And Captain Jackson says, well, since I'm the captain of the boat, I'm the skipper and you can be Gilligan. <laughs> and Michael kind of takes offense to that. He says he'd rather die. Yeah. Which is extreme. Yeah. And so, as you said... He doesn't, he, he tries to make this point of, you know, the hierarchy of the boat. And he's like, well, in an office, the manager is higher than the captain. I'm not sure how it works on the boat. Uh, yeah. So Rob Riggle, so Captain Jack is kind of doing an introductory speech to everyone who is on the boat, including... People who are not employees at Dunder Mifflin. Shockingly, there is a kind of a decent amount of people on a booze cruise in January. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's doing kind of this uh, safety speech and just introducing himself and the rules of the boat. And Michael is stepping all over it. He is, you know... Captain Jack says, I'm the captain of the of the boat. And Michael's like, I'm Michael Scott. I'm regional manager of Dunder Mifflin. And so he is constantly, throughout this episode, Michael is trying to keep up with Captain Jack in terms of authority and kind of importance and influence as well. Yes. That's a good way to describe that, actually. As everyone's getting settled in on the boat... Pam and Roy and Katie and Jim have sat at a table together. And 
Katie, ugh, she's really annoying to me in this episode because the like her first line is she's looking around. She's like, oh my gosh, it's like we're in high school and we're at the cool table, which is just absurd because you have to think these people are at least out of college age. Yeah. You know, they've got to be mid-20s. So most people wouldn't be concerning themselves with who's the cool kids. And that sort of leads the four of them to have a discussion about high school. And Roy realizes that he recognizes Katie after he asks her where she went to high school at. Um, and she says Bishop O'Hara and Roy realizes that she was a cheerleader for Bishop O'Hara. And it sounds like Roy was a football player at whatever high school, um, he and Pam went to, which makes me curious how many high schools would have been in Scranton because, um, I get the impression that just throughout the series that Pam and Jim are actually both from Scranton, but didn't know each other prior to working at Dunder Mifflin. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jim buys his parents' house in Scranton. Right. And Pam, in season four, goes on the high school recruiting recruiting trip with Michael, Daryl, and Oscar and says, I have so many memories in this gym. So I'm just curious where Jim would have gone to high school. Yeah. This scene is really shot to highlight the differences in the two couples. Yeah. So Katie asks Pam if she was a cheerleader and, and Roy jumps right in and is like, no, she was an artsy fartsy type person. She yeah. didn't like sports, blah, 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 blah. And so Roy asks Katie if she was a cheerleader and Jim's like, no, she wasn't. And <laughs> Katie starts doing a cheer. And so clearly she was a cheerleader and Pam just kind of gives this look to Jim <laughs> like a it's like a really yeah type look and so not only does it kind of highlight the differences in the two couples and that you know Katie and Jim don't really know each other that well clearly exactly but to me it kind of creates this air of superiority by Pam and Jim over Katie and Roy. Right. Like, they're silly for sort of reminiscing high school and for being the jock and the cheerleader uh, sort of thing that probably... I would guess that Jim, you know, he did pretty well in the basketball episode that, you know, maybe he did play sports and he, you know, is very interested in Philadelphia sports and things like that. So he has that interest, but But not not necessarily the jock. Yeah, but not necessarily that that is his identity but like he clearly in his answer to Roy's question of were you a cheerleader Jim was like no yeah like there's no way she would do that or there's no way I would be with a cheerleader is I think what that says more so right and so not long after this scene there's another scene of Roy doing a snorkel shot and just you know everybody's having a good time between Roy Katie and Daryl. Yes. They're all cheering each other on and right. they're very much a part of this sort of we're on a booze cruise, we're gonna party. Right. And Pam tries to get Roy to go somewhere else to just to kind of talk and have some quiet moments between them. And Roy's like, Well, 
in just a bit, I, I have to watch Daryl do this shot. And so he goes back to cheering on Daryl. And so Jim and Pam kind of slip off to the deck of the ship to just to kind of, again, get away from things. And Pam's just like, sometimes I just don't get Roy. And again, that just kind of hammers home this, I think I'm better than that. Or that's not my scene, and this creates this sort of divide between her and Roy, which she clearly has never talked to Roy about. Yeah. And she's confiding in Jim about it. Right. I mean, and it's another thing that to the viewer and probably to other people, Jim especially, that it's something that is very obvious and it just is, this is the kind of the, one of the first times we hear Pam vocalize that. Yes. And so then she sort of tries to joke with Jim of, you know, what's it like to date a cheerleader? And he kind of just laughs it off. And then there's this very heavy moment between the two of them where like Jim has this sort of sad look and you can tell there's a lot that's unsaid between them. It's very charged. And then Pam just chickens out and it's too much for her. And she's like, I'm cold. I have to go back inside. Jim is very clearly weighing his options and he, he's wanting to basically tell Pam everything right at this moment. Yeah. And he, he never gets to it. And, you know, like you said, Pam kind of cuts it there. She probably knows what is coming and says we should go back inside. Yes. And back inside, Michael has been trying to give his motivational speech and do the presentation for the Dunder Mifflin uh, group, but is sort of being thwarted by Captain Jack, who's now being the party captain. And he starts the limbo, and he starts a dance contest. And so Michael's like, okay, okay, we're going to have fun. And he's he says he's going to have a motivational dance contest. And he starts doing the most bizarre dance moves, which actually clears out the dance floor. He's doing like a hang clean sort of thing, it's, like that motion, like up and down. He and... dances exactly how you would expect <laughs> Michael to dance. And one of my favorite parts of this episode is how Dwight – in his desire to, you know, he's always sort of buttering up to Michael. He's doing the same thing with Captain Jack. And he wants to hold the limbo stick. And Captain Jack says, I have a more important task for you. You go and steer the ship. And it's just a dummy wheel. But he is, Dwight takes this job very seriously. And he talks about how, you know, he's going to steer them <laughs> ashore. And he won't even abandon his post to go in and hang out with Angela. Yeah. Katie tries to make friends with Pam. So there's a point where it's just the two of them sitting in the booth. And this, oh, this greatly irritated me as well, where Katie says, I'd like to be engaged. How'd you manage to pull that off? And it's just this very, ah, I don't know. I just hate it. Cause it's so, it's sexist. It's, patriarchal it's silly what a silly statement I'd like to be engaged 
well, wouldn't you say I'd like to be married? I'd like to be in a committed relationship. It's very wedding industrial complex of like, oh, I want to plan a wedding. I just want a big diamond ring. It doesn't, it's shallow. There's nothing behind that in connecting it to a a deep relationship with another person. Right. But her question is extremely valid in this case because Roy does not seem like the person that right. would uh, would try and yeah make that commitment. And so Roy is definitely a eh, well, I guess it was time type of yeah. Person. We've been together so since high school, I guess. I feel like that would have to be an ultimatum from Pam, where it's like, hey, we've been together this long, we should probably get engaged at this point. Mm-hmm. But Pam is not the type of person that is going to make that ultimatum. So the question of how did you manage that is actually very valid in this case. Well, and Pam says, I've been engaged for three years with no end in sight, so you don't want to ask me. Right. And that is very true. You know, they are in this sort of standstill, nothing's happening, no date has been set sort of thing. At about the same time that Katie and Pam are having their talk, Jim, Captain Jack, Dwight, Michael are all gathered around the bar and just kind of chatting. And Captain Jack kind of throws Michael a bone and is like, all right, well, what's this presentation going to be about? Mm -hmm. And Michael's saying that it's about basically just inspiring the employees to be better to kind of motivate themselves to... Think about what's important. Correct, for the, for the company. So Captain Jack kind of playing into the analogy of the office is like a ship. He asked Jim, if the ship was going down, who would you save? And Jim does the thing that he has done several times before where his initial reaction is Pam. So when somebody asked asked him like who do you like do you like brunettes or redheads or whatever and like the time when Roy asks Jim what kind of what kind of chicks do you like and Pam's sitting right there and he can't say oh I like you know mm-hmm. redheads Funny, blah blah blah, blah. yeah type. so he goes I like soccer moms no yeah so he he kind of plays it off and he's like. He gives a half-ass answer of, I would save the customer because the customer is king. Mm -hmm. And Captain Jack is sort of like, you guys are crazy. You know, if the ship was really going down, you wouldn't be thinking that. So he tells this anecdote about how he was on, was it in the Navy or the Coast Guard? Couldn't be the Coast Guard. He served in Desert Storm and there was... uh, an incident where he didn't think that they were going to survive. And he said, the first thought I had was my first wife. And the day I got back on shore is the day I married her. And you can tell this is striking a chord in both Roy and Jim. And at this point, Roy has joined the conversation. He kind of stumbles over drunkenly. He can, you can see some slurring in his speech and things like that. And this line really strikes a chord with him. Mm -hmm. And so after this, he goes and he grabs the mic 
and he says, Pam, uh, this has gone on long enough. Let's set a date. And Jim had been walking over to Pam and Katie as well. So both of them motivated by Captain Jack, by the story, sort of what's really important. Jim is going to take this moment to tell Pam how he feels. He's getting ready. He's leaning over to talk to her. And that's when Roy is like, Pam, Pam, this is this is something I want to do. Let's set a date, June 10th. And Pam is just so overcome it's almost like another engagement. That's how, that's her reaction is, you know, will you marry me? And Jim is just so defeated because Pam has forgotten. He's even there goes up to Roy. She kisses him. She just can't believe it. And it just sinks. Jim just crushes him. Yeah. And so they're dancing, you know, everyone's celebrating and cheering for them And Katie and Jim are left to sort of observe the scene. And Katie says, do you think that'll ever be us? Sort of whimsical and just romantic. And Jim's like, no, without even any hesitation. No. And Katie's very upset. You know, why did you even bring me? Jim's like, I don't even know. Let's just break up. And he is so... there's just so much emotional turmoil for him, which really sucks for both of them because they're on a boat. Katie cannot leave. So they have broken up with seemingly lots of time to go still yet on this booze cruise. Yeah. After the celebration of Pam and Roy's re-engagement, if you will, (laughs) Michael tries to finally fit in his motivational speech and it does not go well at all no he kind of picks up on captain jack's analogy and says the boat is sinking right now everyone you have five minutes like it's going down in five minutes it's going to be in on the bottom of this lake who do we save and the employees of dunder mifflin are kind of you can see they know what Michael yeah, is doing. Yeah, this is this is this is typical Michael. Classic Michael, but everyone else in the boat doesn't understand that there's true panic. Yeah. And the reason Michael is talking like this and doing this is because when Roy was on the mic reproposing, Michael thinks, "Oh, I helped him come to this realization." Yeah. But Roy says, "No, no, it was all Captain Jack." So Michael is now He's upset. He wants to be the motivator. Right. He He's now saying, okay, this is the real scenario. He's trying to recreate the scenario that Captain Jack used, was telling the story of being in Desert Storm to sort of make the connection for his corporate retreat. Right. But he's not saying, okay, this is a scenario. Right. Two side notes here. One, Captain Jack is not there to stop this because he is, at present, banging Meredith. In some sort of closet quarters right. or something. To the situation of Michael yelling at everyone that the ship is sinking and all the Dunder Mifflin employees not reacting to it because it's just like, oh, well, here, yep, this is, this is about right. This is Michael. Reminds me of when I used to work at the hospital <laughs> and the fire alarm would go off all the time just because like somebody you know hit it no not necessarily that but like somebody microwaved something that set the fire alarm off or somebody in the kitchen like you know 
burned something and it hit the smoke detector and the fire alarm goes off. So the people that work at the hospital just kind of walk along as if nothing is happening and the, the siren, not the siren, but the buzzer is just going off constantly in the background. And so you see like people who are visitors there just being like, uh, oh, what, am I suppo- what am I supposed to be doing? And so it's just like, and the employee's like, no, it's fine. Like this <laughs> happens all the time. Uh, and one of the booze cruise patrons not associated with Dunder Mifflin grabs a lifeboat and opens a window and jumps out. Yeah. <laughs> As a result, Michael gets himself quarantined, if you will. He gets put in the brig. Okay. The he gets uh, zip tied to a railing outside. <laughs> yes. I have to imagine that. Captain Jack wanted to do that to Michael pretty much from the very beginning. Yeah, right to start, and this was just the last straw. So Jim joins Michael outside and... Really as a way to get away from Katie. Yeah. (laughs) And just kind of asks, like, what happened to you? And Michael's like, Captain Jack has a problem with authority. (laughs) And so they kind of get into this kind of heartfelt discussion Michael says that you know Jim should be happy that his his friend got engaged and Jim points out that they were already engaged and says that he quote used to have a thing for Pam and Michael is really taken aback by that he said he he never knew he has a good radar for that kind of stuff (laughs) usually that they hit it really well and Tell Jim that, you know, if he really feels that strongly about it, to not give up. Yeah, he says, you know, engaged ain't married. And you should tell you should tell her how you feel. And Jim's really taking this in, kind of soaking it in, thinking it over. And it's amazing. Michael unwittingly actually motivated somebody. Yeah. This is another one of those moments where it is unbelievable to me. I get that it's a TV show, but that Jim would go and seek out Michael, that he would have this discussion with Michael, that he would take love advice from Michael, because they both, they are both kind of in the same pod of how they react to affection and attention from a woman we kind of talked about this in the episode after jan and michael hook up because michael is going over this voicemail from jan repeatedly breaking down each individual sentence like what do you think that means and so Jim does the same thing with Pam, where it's any bit of affection and attention he gets. He latches onto it and kind of amplifies it as, I have a chance. Well, I think here, I think Jim is so distressed, so off his sort of normal feelings and regulation of his feelings that his defenses are down. His judgment is down. He is just looking for some small source of comfort, guidance, something. He is just so shook. 
here that I think, and I feel like I've been there before, where it kind of whoever you see that is someone you know, you feel a little bit comfortable with, you're willing to confide in them, and it may come back to bite you in the butt in the end because you're like, oh, God, why did I say that to this person? Yes. That really wasn't the best decision, but it's just what you need in the moment. And that will come up yeah. in the very next episode. No, it's not the very next one. It's a weird order. The next one's the injury. Then okay. the next, oh, it's the one after that. <laughs> yeah. So just, uh, yes. As Jim will say in The Secret, he confided in the world's worst confidant. Yes. <laughs> but at this moment, that's just kind of what he needs. Yes. And that's how the episode ends. Yes, that's pretty much where we end this episode. So, let's go to the annex and find out any fun facts about this episode. So, not too many fun facts. Um, the The episode was inspired by B.J. Novak telling Greg Daniels, who directed this episode, uh, about his friend that went on a booze cruise. So, that's kind of how they decided to to make the setting here. This is actually Amy Adams' uh, final guest spot as Katie since they officially broke up. Though, again, the timeline makes no sense. Uh, because in the barbecue episode, Jim told Ryan that he actually hadn't talked to Katie for a while. So I can't tell if they sort of like reconciled enough that he would have invited her on the booze cruise. But their their actions with each other... And Katie's sort of whimsical, romantic side, to me, that doesn't really make sense. Um, I kind of, it, it still does kind of fit, though, because I think it kind of shows that this isn't the most serious relationship in terms of how Jim views it. And so that would explain him not really knowing that Katie was a cheerleader in yeah. high school. And... The whole, why did you even bring me here thing, too. Yeah. Because if they really weren't that serious at that point, yeah, it is kind of a weird thing for her to be at. I think Jim asks her to come because he knows that Roy is going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of needs someone to keep him away from Pam, I guess. That makes sense. It's weird that Phyllis didn't bring Bob Vance. But no one else that we are aware of has a partner. Although I think Kevin is dating someone. So we just don't know enough about like the minor characters' backstories yet to have them. Although Stanley brings his wife. Yeah. During filming, a lot of the cast got motion sickness because they were filming on an actual boat. Um, not sort of a, you know, a soundstage or something like that. They had to film from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. since... It was, you know, at night, um, and you're filming multiple scenes over and over again. And one thing that really sticks out with me uh, from this episode is right after Roy sort of reproposes to Pam, Captain Jack says he could marry them right here on the boat, uh, and Pam says, no, no, I want my parents to be there. Well, in season six, she marries Jim on a boat without her parents. It's a very interesting parallel. Uh, but, you know, then they actually do have their ceremony with all their invited guests, but they sort of run out to 
um, a boat. Made of the mist. Yeah. At the, Niagara Falls. At Niagara Falls and, and do the, the ceremony there. So that's all I have for the annex this time. Curtis, any firings that you think? Not really. It would be a reach to fire Michael, but you could probably say that about every episode. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think he does anything too egregious in this episode. Yeah, no firings for, for this one. Right. So do you have a Dundee to give out? Yeah, I was so just annoyed by Katie that I did the Dundee for most annoying girlfriend to go to Katie. Okay. As I've reiterated throughout the episode, I just, yeah, too much. Yeah. What about you? Uh, the Dundee for sickest burn goes to Roy <laughs> when they are discussing their high schools and Katie says that she went to Bishop O'Hara. Roy says, piss slop, who cares ya? And... What? You didn't catch that? I could never understand what he was saying. Yeah, piss slop, who cares ya? And so it's one of those things where, yeah, it kind of rhymes, and all of those words are... I just never not, caught it. Not positive, so cool. Like, it's, right? it's just one of those things where it's like, you still care enough that you yeah, still exactly, use that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, oh, sick boy. bird, Roy. Sick bird. <laughs> Who is your employee of the month? My employee of the month is Jim, I guess. Not necessarily for anything he does in the episode and pertaining to the plot, but the prank that he plays at the beginning of the episode, plus the whole Titanic bit, yeah. are both very entertaining. So yeah, I'll give was, him that. That was good. My employee of the month is Dwight, because I just love uh, the part where he's steering the ship and ask Angela, you know, do you want us to run aground, woman? <laughs> and so much so that Curtis and I took a uh, harbor cruise in, of Tokyo Bay when we were on our honeymoon, and it was this lovely French dinner, and we spent a good deal of our French dinner of the Tokyo Bay cruise quoting Dwight's lines from this episode. <laughs> uh, so I do, I do enjoy him. Yes. So that pretty much does it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates and to continue listening on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. We appreciate it. And we will be back next week with another really good episode. Yeah, next week's a good one. We'll see you then. Yep. Bye.